Welcome to the Fireside Giants podcast by Empire Sports Media. What's up, everybody, and welcome back to Fireside Giants. I'm your host, Anthony Rivardo, joined by my co-host, Alex Wilson, and happy Victory Monday. And yes, guys, the nightmares are finally over. The 2023 regular season is finally over for the New York Giants. It's also the nightmares of losing to the Eagles every single time we play them. Those nightmares are also over. The Giants beat the Eagles. You guys know, if you've been watching the channel for a while, there's nothing that I hate more on this planet than the Philadelphia Eagles, their fans. So I'm thrilled that the New York Giants pulled out the win versus the Eagles yesterday. Did it hurt their draft pick? Sure. I don't care. If you're not picking in the top two, it doesn't really matter much to me anyway. You're going to have to trade up to get a quarterback. We're going to have that conversation in this episode. We're also going to talk about the two firings that the Giants made today. Special teams coordinator Thomas McGahee, he's gone. Offensive line coach Bobby Johnson, Dirtbag Johnson, he's also gone. I know that's really exciting for a lot of Giants fans. Um, Bobby Johnson, famously known for having that Dirtbag nickname. Well, it didn't work out. The Giants offensive line did not develop properly this season, and he is gone. So that's going to be a crucial hiring. We're going to talk about that and talk about the status of this team, right? It's the offseason. Joe Shane spoke with the media today. End of season presser. Brian Dable commented as well. A lot of uncertainty surrounding our Giants right now. But if you sift through some of the, the mess here, you could kind of see a little bit of a vision towards the future and we'll of course preview this offseason in this episode as well so before we dive into all that make sure to leave a like if you do enjoy this episode subscribe to the channel if you are new ring the bell so you don't miss an episode comment your thoughts on the topics down below in the comment section and listen to apple or spotify please make sure to leave us a five-star review and go ahead and follow us on all of our social media channels at fireside giants but without further ado alex how are you feeling today on this victory monday and what is your initial reaction and kind of closing thoughts on this 2023 season well, the season has come to an end, my friends, and it's been another really up-and-down one for us Giants fans. A lot of emotion, a lot of disappointment um, coming off a playoff appearance last year. We thought we could compound on that and make a run. Obviously, this year went in the exact opposite direction, but I'll tell you what. At least we, we're keeping our general manager and head coach for a third season because I feel like that's a big surprise. Uh, you know, after churning through head coaches every two years, we finally get to see a third season. And look, and I think you'll agree with this. Brian Dable had those men fighting until the last second of this season. If you've seen other teams that have given up, a lot of teams gave up. A lot of teams are not performing, just did not have that level of, of commitment um, to the fine detail. And they went out there and whipped the Eagles' ass. And look, our draft pick when that was ever going to go below six. So at that point, I'm like, I don't really care about losing. Let's just beat the freaking Eagles. You, you have to love beating them. And look, you know what, man? I feel like we were the freaking dagger Right, just a final dagger in the coffin for the Eagles, man. They are falling apart at the seams. They can't even operate. Um, their their offense is out of sorts. Their defense is garbage. They're a, a first-round playoff exit waiting to happen. And I feel like we just gave them that little sh just shank to the ribs to freaking end their little their, – their, what seemed to be like a little dynasty in the process. They were like kind of building this like super, super strong team. They We kind of just like finished them, you know what I mean? And I, and I, and I love to see that. The Giants really put them down. A team that uh, that not many really exactly look at as anything to be worried about. The Giants, a lot of teams just look at us, uh, look at us as pushovers. 
we, we welcome Dallas to our, our – rather the Eagles to our field, and we can put them down. So I'd love to see that. But now we look ahead about what the future of this team looks like. Of course, as Anthony mentioned, uh, Bobby Johnson was fired. Thomas McGoffey was fired. And now we look to trying to figure out how we solve those positions. Now the Yankees, or rather the Giants, need to actually allocate a ton of money towards finding the best offensive line coach available. Um, that's the first and foremost thing, in my opinion. The Giants need to invest heavily in the best guy they can find for this job. Because the truth is, until we figure out what that looks like, the best developmental coach we can find, we're not going to be able to develop draft picks. And I think that's like a, a huge narrative that I'm trying to express to people that consistently are in my DMs trying to say, we need to draft offensive linemen. We need to you know, spend another first-round pick, a third in four years on our offensive linemen. We have not proven that we can develop these guys. And even if we go out and get a great coach, we still don't know if we can develop these guys. You don't build a team investing first-round picks for the three consecutive years or, or three out of four years in one position. It's not sustainable. The Giants need to go out and, and, and reinforce another spot. And personally, if we're not going to go quarterback, I think Anthony will agree with this, we should go with a top receiver prospect. You know, whether it's neighbors, whether it's, you know, I don't think we're going to be in range for Marvin Harrison Jr. anymore. Uh, but one of those top guys, Romo Dunes, like, there's a couple of really talented receivers that could be something special. I think you go out and get a WR1, and then if you end up running it back with Daniel Jones, at least you have a really great young receiver to work around. However, you know, the quarterback position is still very much in, in the picture here. I really think Jaden Daniels is a perfect fit for our offense. Just looking how Tyrod Taylor operated and how well this offense looked at some – how good it looked at some points in the season when he was kind of healthy, I guess. He, every time he gets hit, I feel like he's going to get hurt. Um but Jaden Daniels, man, has that arm talent, has that speed, athleticism, that decision-making. I feel like he's a perfect fit. Again, you guys may disagree. Also, would not be opposed to Caleb Williams either. Obviously a stud. We're going to see what the Bears end up doing. There's a lot that can happen in this draft. But look, let's talk about some of the pieces that we do have and really what the future looks like. Because we have some big decisions to make regarding Saquon Barkley and Xavier McKinney. So Saquon Barkley, I mean, you guys watched yesterday. He he scored two touchdowns. He was a monster. He looked great. He looked like, you know, he was an impact player. Losing Saquon Barkley is going to be a massive loss to this offense. I don't think we truly understand that. If you draft a wide receiver and you run it back with Daniel Jones and you don't have Saquon Barkley, our offense is going to be freaking terrible again next season. I guarantee it. You know what I mean? Like, even if we manage to get marginally better on the offensive line and we lose Saquon in that presence that he has, you can't guarantee that you're going to draft a receiver and he's going to be a superstar. You just you can't do it. It's, it's a pipe dream. You need to develop these players sometimes. Your offense is going to be bad. Like, I really think we have to keep Saquon. I don't know how that works. I don't know what that looks like. It could be a multi-year deal. It could be a franchise tag again. But he may sit out on that franchise tag. I really just don't know how the Giants go about this. And then Xavier McKinney, who, you know, if you watch the pre the post-game uh, kind of uh, – the post-game speech by Brian Dable – you see what he said about McKinney and Brian and uh, O'Karake. He said, like, these guys were durable. They showed up every single day. They missed, didn't miss a single snap the entire season. That's the type of commitment. That's the type of consistency you need to have a winning, successful organization. And he was looking McKinney in the freaking face. Like, they have to bring back McKinney. You saw what he did yesterday, two interceptions. He was a monster. And he really he really came into his own. I think we saw the best – the second half of this past season was the best we've seen from Xavier McKinney in his career. And – if they bring back Wink Martindale, I think he's going to be that level of player for a couple of years. So I think you probably have to sign him. But, you know, if you look online right now, the Giants have about $25 million in available salary space. And a lot of people are saying the only way to continue building and opening up salary space for the future is to draft a quarterback and, and let go of Daniel Jones after next season. Like, that's what a lot of people are saying. However, you could restructure contracts. You could move money back, and I don't really support that because we've seen Gettleman do that in the past, and it's been problematic, but Anthony, I'll let, you, I'll let you get your two cents in here. 
Yeah, you mentioned there some of the ways that fans are suggesting the Giants free up cap space. I've seen a few fans, so a, a few few accounts have tweeted the cap number for Daniel Jones in 2023, which is $47 million. And I've seen fans respond like, surely we restructure that. We got to do something to move that. No, <laughs> no, <laughs> absolutely not. I like Alex's reaction there. You just cannot do that. That is the worst case scenario for the New York Giants, because if they move that cap number for Daniel Jones, all they do is strap their cap for the future. They take all that money in the future that they have free and available to them, and they spread it out and they get rid of it, basically. So Daniel Jones's cap number at $47 million is going to make things really difficult this offseason. The Giants are going to struggle to sign players in free agency to extend certain players. Sure, they have other ways that they're going to free up cap space. Mark Lewinsky can be cut, save $6 million right there. There's some other moves. You could cut Darren Waller if you want to go that route, save $7 million there. There's another $13 million afforded to you. Darius Slayton, also a candidate for trade slash cut, save $6 million there. So there are ways that the New York Giants can create cap space without restructuring Daniel Jones's contract because if you restructure Daniel Jones's contract, sure, you lower his 2024 cap hit. You increase his 2025 to 2026 cap hit, and you make it harder to cut him if you want or need to. So we don't know what the Giants are going to do with Daniel Jones. The more that we hear, the less we know, honestly. So he could be the quarterback this season. But to make a commitment to him, they already made the four-year commitment with the contract. But to double down on it after the season that he just had, the shortened season that he just had by restructuring that contract would be a massive mistake in my opinion. You, you don't restructure that deal. It's kind of like last offseason when everybody saw Leonard Williams' cap hit and said, you have to restructure it or extend him or trade him. You have to do something about it. They didn't do that. They sat tight and they literally just ate that cap hit. They were like, whatever, we're just going to live with it because we know that if we touch that thing, we can't get rid of him. Like we're going to be stuck with him for additional seasons if we don't do anything about that salary cap hit um, or if we do something with that salary cap hit and restructure it. So they just sat with it. They ate the big cap hit. That's what they're going to have to do with Daniel Jones because you really can't determine what your future is at that quarterback position and you don't want to strap yourself in at that quarterback position to Daniel Jones without knowing what his future holds. So that's the number one thing that I'll say. That's a move that the Giants can't make. They cannot restructure that contract. But outside of that, there are a lot of moves to make, as I mentioned. And as you mentioned, Xavier McKinney, I think he's in line for a payday. I think the Giants have to pay that guy. He's a good football player. And I know that a lot of Giants fans are going to say, well, he might be too expensive. He's only a safety. The Giants don't have all this well of in-house talent. When you have it, when you find in-house talent, when you develop a guy properly, you got to extend him. And Xavier McKinney is a damn good player. One of the things about McKinney, he plays free safety. The free safety depends on the strong safety and three cornerbacks to do their jobs in order for him to do his job properly. The Giants don't have depth and talent at all of those positions. So yeah, obviously sometimes Xavier McKinney struggles, but he's a damn good football player. And you know that if you build this defense properly and you continue to build around Xavier McKinney, he'll continue to develop into, I think, a star at that safety position. So I love him. You mentioned Saquon Barkley. That's another huge decision for the New York Giants this upcoming offseason. He doesn't want to get tagged again. I don't think that they should tag him. Maybe they should. Honestly, I'm in the same boat as you. This is a player that they do need to extend. What he means to the locker room. He he really proved yesterday what he means on the field. Two touchdowns, had a 45-yard reception from Tyrod Taylor. I, I think Saquon Barkley is going to get that extension. Both sides want to see it get done. Saquon seems a little cold towards the front office right now and seems like he's pretty unhappy with the way that they handled last season. But, you know, going forward, I think that those two sides are going to get it figured out. But there are some things that I want to say, you know, wrapping up this regular season, we'll talk about the coaches that were fired and potential candidates, all that stuff. But I want to talk about 
the way that this team fought and the way that we are three plays away from being a playoff team. The New York Giants were three plays away from being a playoff team. You're talking about one touchdown scored on the one-yard line against the Buffalo Bills. Changes everything. That gives them a win there. That's an extra win. So now you're at seven. You're talking about one third down stop versus the New York Jets or maybe a field goal, whatever you needed against the Jets. Now you're at eight wins. And then one two-point conversion versus the Los Angeles Rams gives you nine wins and you have the tiebreaker because you beat the Green Bay Packers. The Giants are in the playoffs. They were three plays away from making the playoffs. So I think that there's a lot of fans who think this team is just terrible and this team sucks and they should have had the number one overall pick. This was never a football team that should have been in contention for a top three draft pick. They won nine games last year. Last year, They were a playoff team. They never should have been sniffing the top of the draft. So having the sixth overall pick, guys, is a great consolation prize. That's very high. Way higher than we thought the Giants ever would be picking. Number six is really high. So I think that going into this offseason, the Giants need to keep in mind that this is still a playoff caliber roster. If you get a few more pieces in there and you fix a few things... You've got the right coach in order. Like, you have your head coach in Brian Dable. The Giants haven't had the proper head coach in place in the second season of a head coach's tenure in three attempts. So now they finally have that with Brian Dable. You still have a playoff roster, in my opinion. You just have to figure out that quarterback position. Can Daniel Jones do it? Can he bring them back to the playoffs? I don't know. In my opinion, this season, he proved that he cannot do that. So you have to look elsewhere. And then what are your options? Well, Alex and I were kind of discussing it before we started recording. I think that there's three options for the New York Giants. Either you run it back with Daniel Jones and you hope that he figures it out and he turns into 2022 Daniel Jones or better next season, right? That's unlikely scenario, but it's one of the options for the Giants. Number two, you trade everything. You sell the farm, you move up to number one overall, and you take the quarterback of your choosing. Obviously, you mortgage your future, but you get your quarterback of the future that you believe in. So that's your second option. Number three, I think that you sign a stopgap bridge quarterback like a Russell Wilson. Maybe you trade for a Justin Fields. I think that this this team, this exact roster that the Giants have right now with Russell Wilson, probably makes it to the playoffs and that's all an NFL team wants is a foot in the door just an appearance into the postseason and then you hope that your head coach and your roster get it right for four straight games and win it all and if they don't well here's the thing about the NFL draft and drafting quarterbacks most of the quarterbacks that find immediate success not all of them but most of them are drafted by teams that were picking in the later half of the first round Either they trade up or they wait for a quarterback to fall to them, whatever it is. But usually it's because those quarterbacks are stepping into a better situation because they're stepping onto a playoff team. That says two things for the New York Giants. One, I still think that they have a playoff roster. So if they trade up to number one overall and they draft a quarterback... I think he's stepping into a good situation. I don't think this is an ugly situation for a rookie quarterback to step into. And number two, if the Giants go the stopgap route and they take a and they they go into free agency and sign a Russell Wilson for a year and they make it to the playoffs in 2025, they trade up in the draft and they get their quarterback and he's stepping into one of those situations that everybody compares to when Patrick Mahomes stepped into a playoff situation with the Kansas City Chiefs. So the Giants have a lot of options here. They can go one of two ways. They could start the rebuild right now and go after the quarterback, or maybe they just try and inch their way into the playoffs next year, and then make the move up. So, Alex, I, I know that those are kind of both decide, like kind of controversial options. Both of them are kind of hard to get behind in some ways, exciting in others. How are you feeling about that? You know, just the different options that are out there for the New York Giants in terms of building this roster. Do you agree with me? Do you think that this is still a playoff caliber roster? I'm not saying it's a NFC championship contending roster. It's not an elite roster by any means. But you're looking at some of these other teams. The Rams have a good team, really good coaching staff. The Packers slipped their way into the playoffs. You had the Vikings on the bubble all off or all season long. 
I think that the Giants still do have a playoff caliber roster. I don't know how you feel about that. And do you think that they really are just a quarterback away from being contenders? Um, I think most teams are a quarterback away from being contenders. You know, I, I think that there are a couple of exceptions, like the Panthers and the Patriots. Like, they're just obviously bad rosters, and we beat the crap out of them for a reason. Or Not the Panthers, but the Patriots. Um, and the Commanders as well. You know, the they are very bad. Their secondary is one of the worst I've ever seen. But if you're the Giants, you look at your roster and say this, right? And I'm looking – I'm going to kind of break down the financials of this right now, what the future looks like, because I think a lot of people are very concerned about 2024. And, yes, the Giants are going to be strapped a little bit financially in 2024 because of Daniel Jones' contract. But I'm not thinking about 2024, guys. I'm thinking about the future as well. 2025, we could really start something special, long-term sustained success. So here's kind of where I, I see opportunity for the Giants, right? So in 2024, they have about $34 million in available salary space. Let's take about $9 million off of that for the draft class. So we have $25 million to spend. Um, here's where we can open up some opportunity. Right off the bat, as you mentioned, Mark Lewinsky, you let him go. You save $5.7 million. Darren Waller. Now, this is an interesting conversation to have because uh, Joe Shane and Brian Dable kind of said it today. He, they don't. Shane said, I do not regret trading for Darren Waller. We'll see what that means. Does that mean that he's coming back on a three-year, $51 million deal at 32 years old? I personally do not support that at all. Why? Because I think the injury issues that we already saw this season are only going to get worse with age. I do not trust him. And if you are not available, you are useless to this team. I like Darren Waller. He's a good dude. But I am very scared that that money that we are paying him is going to go nowhere because he's not going to be available during the postseason. He's not going to be available when we need him the most. In those big moments, you know, we saw him drop a huge touchdown pass against the against the Bills in that game that you, that you mentioned earlier. Um, went right through his hands. It was an easy catch. Like, you know, th these there are things that I've seen from Waller that I love. I've seen a lot that I do not love. Um, so if I'm the Giants right now, I'm looking at Waller and I'm saying to myself, that money can be used better, right? In my opinion, you could go and draft a pass-catching a pass catching tight end in the mid-rounds, and, you know, obviously it's not going to equal Waller, but someone that you can develop and actually work with and, and, and put alongside Daniel Bellinger I think is a fine alternative to that. A lot of teams find great value at pass-catching tight ends in the mid-rounds. Um, you know, personally, I think that money, $7 million, you could go out and, and sign Kevin Zeitler for $7, million, seven to $10 million and to be honest with you, I think an above-average veteran leader in the offensive line is more valuable than an oft-injury tight end that's going to be on a $51 million deal for three years. That's my personal take. You guys could disagree, but I think that you, most of you would say reinforcing the offensive line with a proven commodity that's healthy and really, really freaking good still is a, is a, is a move in the right direction, not investing in an oft-injured tight end who we cannot rely on to stay healthy, especially, you know, if we do make the playoffs, I don't think he, how do we know he's going to be available? So I think that's kind of where I stand on that. So right off the bat, 7 million saved from Waller, 5.7 million saved from Mark Lewinsky. Now you have about $14 million to work with in free agency on top of the $25 million you have. So, you know, the, the Giants want to go out and sign a, a CB2 an offensive lineman or a right tackle or a guard. They have the freedom to do that now. If they want to go spend big on a pass rusher, they have the freedom to do that now. Why, you might ask. Now, I'm going to dive into the other side of this salary, this this financial situation that I think the Giants need to heavily consider. And this is – I was just reading this on, on Twitter. Someone says, you know, the, the $25 million. The Giants are better off drafting a quarterback for a, a, a big reason here. Now, yes, it's going to cost you a lot – to move up to number one overall, multiple first round picks. But here's my argument against, um, uh, for making that deal. This is my argument for making that deal. 
Now, if you look at what the Giants have in terms of salary space in 2025, they have $95 million in projected cap space. If you don't have that first round pick, now you can already say you're not, you don't have to allocate that much to the draft class. So you're going to have $95 million, you know, minus, minus some money from this year's, this upcoming draft class. And then of course, um, any free agents you do sign. So let's say we end up with $60 million in available salary space. You don't have your 2025 or 26 first round picks, but Here's where things get interesting. If you cut uh, Daniel Jones, you save $19 million in salary space. You can actually uh, take that $22 million in dead money that would be left over from his contract, spread it over the two years. So now you actually have around $30 million on top of the projected. I'm just making this number up. It seems realistic. $60 million available after the draft picks and free agency uh, this upcoming offseason. So you have uh, $30 million on top of the six. You have $90 million, right? Uh, that's a lot of money. $90 million, a rookie quarterback, and you know, a, a good a good roster with Andrew Thomas and Dexter Lawrence already under contract, Kayvon Thibodeau still on his rookie deal, and a couple of other rookies that you draft this upcoming offseason. So, you know, I'll say this. You can supplement the, the lost first round picks with $90 million in available free agency money to go out and get proven commodities, proven players that can reinforce this team. Now, it's not going to be draft picks. They're going to cost you some money, but I think, Anthony, personally, you go out and get a really good young quarterback, you take that money, you plug those holes, and you still have a lot of young developmental players that you've drafted over the last three off-seasons, and you still have your second-round picks and third-round picks next year as well, so you still are able to go out and get some good players. You're just not going to have your first-round pick, but that rookie quarterback allows you so much financial flexibility for the future, and keep in mind, eventually, that rookie quarterback, let's say he's three years into his rookie deal, now you're going to have your first round picks come come 2027. He's still in his rookie deal. He's still making not that much money, and you have your first round picks to to reinforce positions. I'm I'm speaking on behalf of trading three first round picks. Why? Because you're going to have so much money to work with. You can use that money as a kind of in a, as kind of a supplement for losing those draft picks. You go and get proven commodities instead of draft picks, which are crapshoot picks anyway. You never know if guys are going to pan out. I know we love the draft. We love the, the first round picks, but guys, I will take a franchise quarterback over three what ifs any single day of the week. You know what I mean? Um, if we're going to, if you could say we're going to get a chance at an elite quarterback that will put us in contention for the next decade, I am trading those first round picks and I'm not even hesitating. Why? Because it's going to open up $90 million to supplement those positions. I'll get your take on that. I know you probably have your thoughts. Um, personally, I'm willing to do it because I think that it's a worthwhile gamble because of the financial financial situation you'd be in. It's so healthy. It's not even funny. And the Giants have been getting rid of those bad Gettleman contracts for a couple years now. And now they're all going to be off the books. And we had so many incentive-laden one-year deals and outs in these contracts. I feel like we're really set up for the future in a nice, nice, healthy spot. Drafting a quarterback reinforces that concept, in my opinion. Yes, drafting a quarterback reinforces that. And you know that I get behind what you're saying because, listen, I think that this team has the right coaching staff in place. It needs a few more pieces in the lineup for sure. It needs to bolster the offensive line in some ways, add another playmaker, fix some things on defense, right? There, there is a lot of room for improvement on this team and some changes that they need to make. But overall, I do think that having an elite quarterback, this team makes the playoffs. And who knows? And once you make it, you get hot. That's just what you hope for. Maybe you make a run. So, yeah, I'm in favor of what you're saying. However, I can't make a decision. I can't say my take or my opinion on it because we are still four months away from the NFL draft. And not only that, we're three months away from the NFL scouting combine. So there's going to be storylines that come out for all these quarterback prospects. We love Caleb. We love Jaden. We love Drake. Like we love some of these prospects. But the combine is when 
the NFL teams are going to be able to get those kids in a room, interview them, and decide whether or not they're franchise quarterbacks. So even if Joe Shane's sitting there today and he's thinking, oh, I'm enamored by Caleb Williams. I love what he brings to the table. I could mold this guy. You know, Brian Dable could turn this guy into a stud. They're not going to have a decision made until March because they're going to meet him at the NFL scouting combine and then they're going to make a decision on whether or not they think he's going to be a franchise quarterback. So I can't really, not yet can I give my full take and say this is what I would do. I'm not going to say, yeah, I would trade the three first round picks. In the what-if scenarios and the hypotheticals, like theoretically, if the Giants believed they were getting a franchise quarterback for 10 years, yeah, I'd do it. I would make the trade. I would mortgage the future. I don't think that this team is that far off. But again, I, I can't make the decision right now. Neither can the Giants because they have haven't met these kids. They got to meet them. There is the physical traits. There is the, the football field traits to these prospects. There is the off the football field traits to these prospects. Both of those things are just as important as one another. And the New York Giants have a long road to get to before they can make a decision on any of these prospects because they have to figure out the off the football stuff, uh, off the field stuff, in addition to the football stuff. So it's going to be interesting to see where they land on that stuff. And again, they said today that they still believe in Daniel Jones. We'll see if that's just to make sure that, you know, nobody knows their draft plans. Who knows? But what I'm reading, the first overall pick seems to be on the table, seems to be on the trading block. If the Giants want to go up there and get it, though, jumping up five spots, it's not going to be cheap. It is probably going to be the three first-round picks that you mentioned, if not two first-round picks and a high-impact player. So we'll see what happens, but it's going to be expensive for any team to make that move if the number one pick is, in fact, sold by the Chicago Bears. But now I want to kind of dive into the other half of this equation, Alex. And, you know, we mentioned the coaching staff changes. The offensive line coach fired, Bobby Johnson gone. Let's see what the Giants do there, who they hire. Hopefully somebody that can properly develop Evan Neal and save his career. I would really like to see that happen. Liked him a lot coming out of college. Also the new special teams coordinator. We'll talk about that at another time. But what I want to ask you is the Giants' decision to retain both Wink Martindale and Mike Kafka. That is the decision that they've made, or at least they expect those guys to return who knows, maybe they get interviews elsewhere, maybe they make a move to another team, I'm not so sure, but they are expected to be retained this year, so now, does that change the way that you feel about potentially drafting a quarterback, or does that change the way that you feel about some of these defensive players, re-signing Xavier McKinney, um, we know that he and Wink Martindale had a little bit of a spat midway through the season, but after that spat, Xavier McKinney was playing at a Pro Bowl level for the whole rest of the way. So I, I, I like that marriage there. I like Xavier McKinney and Wink Martindale. I think that they, they go well together. Um, but, you know, you and I have had our reservations about kind of the overaggression of this defense sometimes, the blitzes and the lack of quality development for edge rushers. Maybe a cause for concern for Kayvon Thibodeau. Uh, is Wink Martindale the right guy to keep him uh, developing properly? That's a question mark that I have. And then again, Mike Kafka not getting the boot seemingly after this offense was historically bad for the majority of the year. Is that the right decision? Is that a mistake? And what does that mean for drafting a rookie quarterback? Because I know a few uh, months ago or weeks ago, however long ago it was, we said if the Giants are keeping Mike Kafka, it probably indicates that they're sticking with Daniel Jones to keep continuity. But if they plan on drafting a rookie quarterback, you probably reboot the offense altogether and get a new offensive coordinator and have Brian Dable take more of a control control on the offense. So now I'm kind of wondering, where do you stand, Alex? Mike Kafka expected to return. Does that mean Daniel Jones has to re uh, remain the starting quarterback? Does that kind of change the way you feel about potentially drafting a quarterback? And uh, really just what is your overall take, I guess, and your opinion on uh, the offensive coordinator and defensive coordinator positions not expected to be changed at all this offseason despite other changes on the staffs? Well, 
you know, Mike Kafka has had his ups and downs, that's for sure. But I'll tell you one thing, Anthony, I think you'll agree with me here. This offense looked decent with Tyrod Taylor under center, right? Like, I think it really was how they were operating from the quarterback position. The offensive line hasn't been that great either. Like, it's not like we saw a significant difference in offensive line performance. Tyrod Taylor's still running for his life back there. I mean, I saw him run out of the pocket multiple times last night. Maybe it was a little bit better, but it still wasn't great. Um, so my my personal take on this is is – I just don't know, like the continuity um, kind of variable you threw in there. Like they want, they may stick with Daniel Jones because of the continuity. I don't think Daniel Jones was very good in this scheme. You know, when we saw him in this system, I think he was okay. Like last year, we saw flashes of it. His deep ball was decent. They just didn't throw the ball downfield that much. He really did not buy himself much time. Um, he made some really dumb plays. Now his running game really picked up the slack. He had over 700 rushing yards and multiple rushing touchdowns. Coming off an ACL tear, how do we know he can run that back? I, d I don't know. I really just don't know. I don't know if he'll have that confidence in his leg. How do you – like, if you're if you're Dable and Shane uh, and Shona, how do you sit here and act like Daniel Jones is going to walk in and save your jobs? Because that's ultimately what he's going to have to do next season. They have really one more year to figure this thing out, in my opinion. And investing in Daniel Jones and, and depending on him to save their jobs is a hell of a risk. It's a, it's, it's a gamble and a half. So – I don't think it's out of the out of the possibility that we bring in a new quarterback here to enter this system. Um, I'm just a bit concerned about the inconsistencies of Mike Kafka's play calling. Um, there are some games where I'm like, "This looks great." For example, yesterday we were throwing the ball deep, we were making good throws. We finally got Wandale Robinson like fully integrated in this system. By the way, guys, Wandale is a star in the making. A lot of people may not agree with that, but if you do agree with that, you see what I'm seeing. This dude is a freaking monster. He catches everything that goes his way. He has yards after the catch capabilities. He has some of the best separation in football. He's a monster. Like, this kid is a, is a sick guy, and I really am excited to see him develop. Um, same with Jalen Hyatt. Like, I think that he could be something special, too. He just needs to get the ball a little bit more. They need to d design some more plays for him. And look, the inconsistencies at the quarterback position make it hard for a guy like Jalen Hyatt to succeed because I think Jalen Hyatt, personally, is a, is a big timing route guy. I think he they have to develop timing with him and a quarterback. Instead, they were just kind of – like they're like, run straight, and we're just going to freaking throw it up as far as we can and see if he can get it. They need to time routes for him. I think there needs to be – um, some things here like you can get whole shots with him you can do some stuff where you can really time things out perfectly and he's in the right spot because he's got that burst to get there um, I just don't I just think the overturn at the quarterback position severely limited his opportunities and possibilities simply because there was no chemistry at times between him and the, and the quarterback playing Tyra Taylor offered him the best opportunity not sure that Daniel Jones is the right guy for Jalen Hyatt to maximize his skill set but we'll see what happens there um there's a lot of young talent on this team that I'm very optimistic about. Uh, but at the same time, you know, you look at the offense, you look at what we've seen. We see great games from Kafka. We see some really great play calls. You see what the possibilities are. And I think that he's got he's got the ability to be a great coordinator. It's just inconsistent. Um, and maybe that's offensive line related. Maybe that's just quarterback related. Maybe it's a lack of weapons. But we have the same conversation every year. The problem is you look at some of the best OCs in football, Ben Johnson. You look at Dallas, what Dak Prescott are doing right now. And you wonder to yourself, well, why is their offense so good? Well, I'll tell you. One, they have a good quarterback. <laughs> Two, their offensive lines are consistently good. And three, they have CB1. They have WR1s. Amon Ross St. Brown is a, is an R, is a WR1. Don't want to argue about it. It's a fact. Um, CD Lamb is a superstar. They have the necessities to be a great offense. So their offensive coordinators, 
it's a lot easier for them because they're working with elite playmakers, elite players. The Giants don't have that. They don't have a good offensive line. They don't have elite playmakers or even one elite playmaker. Saquon Barkley is as close to it gets, and people want him gone. So, you know, this is the conversation we have to have um, in terms of Mike Kafka. Like, I think he's inconsistent. But I also will give him a benefit of the doubt because this team is not in a place to have an elite offense right now. They need a lot. They need a lot of weapons. They need a lot more support here. I don't know how they're going to do that in one offseason. I think it's going to take a couple. But you can get in the right direction this upcoming season by getting the right coach at offensive line, um, investing a draft pick or at least a couple in, in reinforcing that offense in general. But with that being said, I don't think it's out of the equation. Like I don't think if Mike Kafka stays, Daniel Jones is locked back in. I think that they could easily go out and get a quarterback. As you see what Tyrod Taylor achieved in this offense, better than anything we saw from Daniel Jones um, in a pat from a passing game perspective. So I, I, you know, I don't, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that a new quarterback comes in here that fits this scheme really well. You guys know I love Jaden Daniels. I think he fits our scheme perfectly. But we'll see what happens. Maybe they do run it back with DJ. I just think it's a huge gamble for the coaching staff. Uh, so they, and the based on the fact that they're really. Like, they're banking on him to save their jobs next year, and I don't know if that's a really a great idea from their perspective. Yeah, and I'll say a couple things. I think with Mike Kafka, um, maybe getting him on the sideline rather than up in the, in the box as a coach, that's one potential solution that they could toy with. Having him rescind play calling duties to Brian Dable is another idea. I'm sure that they're going to evaluate this whole situation with the offense and just kind of throw a bunch of darts at the wall and see which one sticks, which one hits the bullseye. They need to fix this offense. But I think a good point that you made is, yeah, there are some good playmakers in here. Like Saquon Barkley is an elite running back. You've got Jalen Hyatt who's developing. You've got Wondell Robinson who looks really good, but still developing too. They do need like an alpha dog. And they thought that Darren Waller was going to be that alpha dog receiver. It didn't work out just because of injuries. Honestly, I think that he was really good when he was on the field. Had a great catch yesterday on a touch pass from Tyrod Taylor. Wish that was a regular sight all season long. Would have been excellent. However, it wasn't. And a lot of that is because of injuries. So the Giants still need to find that alpha dog number one playmaker. And that does lead you to the NFL draft because, again, we talked about the money situation here. Can the Giants go out in the free agency, sign a guy like a T. Higgins? I don't think so. I don't think they're going to have the money for that. Picking number six overall, they could definitely get themselves a Malik Neighbors some sort of superstar wide receiver to build around. That's an absolute possibility for the Giants and one that they're going to strongly consider uh, is building out their offense through the draft and not even addressing the quarterback position. I think that's it's something to, to be said about that and something to keep in mind that maybe just taking a superstar wide receiver could be really beneficial to this team. But I'll, I'll give a tip of the hat to Ryan Dunleavy of the New York Post. I like the way that he's been framing kind of this uh, situation for the Giants. And he keeps saying, the Giants need to figure out why their offense is more explosive without their franchise quarterback. And that is 100% the biggest question mark hanging over this team's head right now. Because when you look at it, even if you're talking about how bad the offensive line was when Daniel Jones was there and how it's gotten better, it hasn't gotten that much better. It's gotten a little bit better, but it hasn't gotten that much better. It's the same group of playmakers in and out of the lineup, Darren Waller, you know, all these different players injured in and out. This offense was better this season when Daniel Jones wasn't on the field. Now, some of that is because it was the beginning of the season, first four weeks of the year, kind of like a preseason in some ways. I know that there's different variables that held Jones back, but also I think that there is overwhelming evidence that suggests Jones held this offense back. So I think that this offseason, huge question mark at the quarterback position. We'll see what goes down with Daniel Jones. We'll see if they draft somebody. But it's going to be really fun. It's going to be exciting. 
you know, one way or another, we're going to have a lot to talk about, Alex, and I'm really looking forward to some offseason coverage beginning now. It is the start of the offseason. So make sure to stay tuned to Fireside Giants for all of those conversations about Daniel Jones, about Jaden Daniels, about Saquon Barkley, Xavier McKinney, and all these other players and all these other coaches. It's going to be a lot, a lot of fun. And uh, make sure to leave a like if you did enjoy this episode and subscribe to the channel if you are new and ring the bell so you don't miss an episode. Comment your thoughts on the topics down below in the comment section. If you're listening on Apple or Spotify, please make sure to leave us a five-star review and go ahead and follow us on all of our social media channels at Fireside Giants. Without further ado, we will catch you all in the next one. Have a good one and let's go Giants.